Hi guys, it's Andy McDonald, physio and strength and conditioning coach, and welcome to the Informed Performance Podcast. On today's show, I have Sean Smith, a performance coach at the University of Louisville. In this episode with Sean, we will discuss strength and conditioning internships and how Sean leads the program at Louisville, and we'll also discuss his journey into using code and technology in modern coaching practice. This episode has been sponsored by Vol Performance, makers of Forstex, the world's fastest, easiest, and most powerful dual force plate system. Forstex can help you to analyze neuromuscular strength, performance, and imbalances in your athletes. With an incredibly simple setup and intuitive software, Forstex automatically detects over 15 common force plate tests and analyzes them with a single click, helping you to collect quick and accurate insights on your athletes. To learn more, head over to our sponsor, volperformance.com. You're listening to Inform Performance with me, Annie McDonald, and here is today's episode with Sean Smith. Sean, welcome to the show. It's uh, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great, Annie. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm super excited to be here. No, perfect. And uh, just to kick off, mate, could you just kind of give us your background? So maybe you know, tell us your early days and bring us up to the current day. Yeah. Well. I played a number of sports growing up, um, you know, everything from martial arts to probably most heavily basketball, but, you know, I, I wasn't the, <laughs> wasn't the tallest guy, so that didn't really work out. Um, and, you know, kind of shifted towards more combat sports when I think maybe I was, I don't know, 14 or 15 years old. And, you know, I really fell in love with training through that process because, you know, it was a big emphasis in, in what we were trying to do um, and, and what my coaches uh, at that time were, were harping on and, you know, physical improvements for me personally allowed me to to kind of manage some situations where maybe I wasn't the most technically skilled uh, fighter, uh, if you will, at that time. And, um, you know, did that for a little bit. And, and really, honestly, it just kind of became a, a bit of a financial struggle as I was getting prepared and getting into college early on. And, and it kind of fell by the wayside. And, um, you know, I, I did my undergrad at the University of Louisville, was fortunate enough to get a job at a private facility working you know, primarily as a personal trainer and a fitness coach, but did a little bit of uh, weightlifting, um, both as an athlete as a and a coach. And, um, you know, did that through most of my undergraduate career. Um, did some other internships along the way, whether it be physical therapy, you know, in physical therapy clinics. Um, did some strength and conditioning at the high school and college prep level. Um, and I was fortunate enough to, to get an internship at the University of Michigan. Um, and actually pushed back my, my undergraduate graduation um, for that internship, did that in my last semester. Um, and that was really my first exposure to high level team sport and strength and conditioning at, you know, at this level. And um, <clears throat> that led me to an internship role at the University of Louisville uh, when I came back to finish my degree. Um, and I did that for, I don't know, about a year uh, before being hired on as a fellow, which is similar to a graduate assistantship. Um, our fellow positions are about 11 months. Um, and, you know, around that time, I also started my master's program in strength and conditioning from Edith Cowan University in, in Western Australia. And, um, you know, that was really fortunate. I was fortunate enough to uh, get admitted into that program because with it being primarily online, it allowed me to really get a lot of experience hands-on working with the athletes through my fellowship position at UofL. And so, um, was pretty fortunate that that worked out. Um, you know, luckily also towards the end of my master's program, I actually just found myself in a position where, you know, we had had some staff turnover at the university of Louisville and, um, had a couple positions open and, and I actually had the opportunity to step into a full-time role. And, um, that's the same role that I'm in now. Um, and I've been here for a few years now, um, primarily responsible for the strength and conditioning program for women's volleyball, track and field, specifically our sprinters, jumpers, pole vaulters, and multi-event athletes. Um, but throughout all of my, my time here at, at UofL, um, I've assisted with you know nearly every sport on campus um, and, in some facet. Um, so that's been really, really impactful for me. And part of your role, you know, you just mentioned involves coordinating the internship program. Um, I personally interned as a strength conditioning coach about 12 to 13 years ago in professional rugby. And I've no doubt the landscape for that has changed since. 
what what does the kind of typical or current internship route look like look like for for young or new coaches yeah i, I mean you know I, i've done a handful of internships uh i mentioned that briefly earlier just throughout my undergrad um you know a couple of different schools some some lower level high schools private sector things of that nature and i think it really depends but you know once you get into the collegiate environment particularly at the the level of you know a michigan or a louisville the two places um, you know, the two institutions that I've been at, you know, I think a lot of the internships, you know, tend to look, uh, you know, essentially like full-time hours with, without necessarily that full-time responsibility. So, um, you know, you're, you're working a, a ton of hours, you're working with a large variety of teams, um, you know, and you're, you're just boots on the ground trying to get as much experience as possible. And, you know, I, I think one thing that we, really pride ourselves on uh, at the University of Louisville and our, our internship program is making sure that, you know, it's a kind of a holistic approach, if you will, to learning. Um, you know, so we're not just sticking interns in the weight room and having them sort of pump out groups all day, if you will. You know, we, we really want to try and provide an, an in-depth view of strength and conditioning, um, you know, the, the daily aspects of strength and conditioning and, you know, what all of that all that role entails, because I, I think one of the big things that I've seen, uh, you know, whether that be through some of my own experience or um, experience of some of my peers um, and, and colleagues is, I think it's really easy for, you know, a young intern to get an internship and, you know, you go and you start working really hard. And, you know, I think a lot of internships just kind of stick you in the corner and, you know, have you coach a squat or a power cleaner, you know, bench press or whatever is in the weight room, you know, whatever's on the agenda for the weight room that day. And then, you know, clean up after that team and start prepping for the next team. And, you know, you sort of do that, uh, you know, day in and day out for the duration of that internship. And I think that's, that's one of the, again, I think one of the major differences, um, you know, for us is, is we don't want to, you know, just crank out weight room coaches. I, I think, Again, I come back to that holistic approach to learning. And, you know, certainly our our interns are, you know, they're going to be involved in the training sessions. I think you have to be. I think we'd be remiss. We wouldn't be providing a, a good value or a good experience for them if they weren't prepared, you know, to, to lead and run those situations once they go to whatever their next stop may be. But, you know, we want them involved in, you know, data collection analysis, and we want them to be at practices if they're able and be at competitions if they're able. and see, you know, recovery sessions and see some of the administrative administrative side of things. And, you know, for us, like they're going to lead sessions, you know, whether it be strength and power sessions, speed, you know, conditioning, um, you know, practice warmups, competition warmups, if the, if the situation's appropriate, um, because we want to prepare them really, really well to take whatever that next step for them might be. Um, you know, and, and I mentioned this a moment ago, but one of the big keys for us is, again, I, I want our interns to leave our program with a really good understanding of what this role entails and have a bit of experience doing that. So, again, outside of just the training, what, what does the day-to-day -day look like? So, you know, how do we communicate and collaborate with other support staff members? Um, and so you know, one of the, the real game changers for us over the last few years has been, you know, putting our interns into a position where they can have conversations with other support staff members, you know, and discuss a lot of the behind the scenes type work. So, um, you know, having those conversations and meetings with, you know, whether it be sports medicine, you know, an athletic trainer, a physio, um, our sports nutrition, one of our sports nutrition uh, members or, or dietitians. Um, our mental performance staff, um, you know, but also head coaches and administrators. I, I think oftentimes you leave an internship and it's really easy to have spent the entire duration just, you know, with the strength and conditioning staff and understanding what that looks like. But um, I think it's a real value to have spoken with an athletic trainer before, have spoken to a dietitian. Um, to a head coach, to an administrator, and understand what how they view strength and conditioning, um, and what they think that process of collaboration you know can look like. 
um, and, and, you know, what strength and conditioning can, you know, maybe provide for them depending on the situation or how those two entities interact. Um, you know, and, and I would be remiss. I think we, I think we do a great job and I'm, I'm pretty proud of, you know, a, a lot of our interns that have uh, come through our program. Um, but I would be remiss if, you know, I acted like we've got it all figured out. I mean, certainly there are some people doing really, really phenomenal work out there, uh, you know, both in the collegiate environment, the private sector um, and professional sports. So, you know, we, we certainly are, are not the only ones and, and by no means do we have it figured out. Yeah. And obviously you mentioned you kind of, um, you, you don't just want to use them to help coach and, and, and merely kind of clean up, um, you know, after all it is a sort of educational process. How, as someone who kind of takes on interns and educates them, how do you strategically kind of meet interns where they're at in their development and then tailor or prescribe or help them kind of co-plan what they need from your greater experience? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question. And, you know, it's something that we're trying to fine tune all the time. Um, you know, I, I, I think Chad Workman and I have, have probably changed some, made some tweaks every single semester um, that we've been you know, coordinating this, this internship. And, um, one of the first things that we do when we get an intern who arrives is they fill out a, a self evaluation or self reflection, um, on what they feel like their strengths and weaknesses are, you know, as a general sort of broad sweeping curriculum, you know, we want to, we want to cover all of our bases, um, you know, from making sure that, they've got the coaching tools necessary in their, in their tool belt, if you will, you know, can they, can they coach strength and power movements? Can they, you know, coach speed development, change direction, agility, you know, how are they going to run warmups, cool downs, things like that. We, we do a lot from a theoretical lecture perspective as well to, you know, in all of those areas, but, you know, we also want to take time to do a bit of self-assessment and, and reflect on, you know, what their strengths and weaknesses are, because that ultimately is going to help us in the long run figure out, okay, you know, maybe what environment they need to be in, um, but how can we best get them to whatever their next step is going to be? You know, a lot of our, a lot of our interns are, are graduate students or, you know, maybe even undergraduate students, or they're fresh out of, uh, you know, undergrad or graduate school with, you know, not a ton of experience to be honest. And so, you know, for us, it, it really depends on the individual. Um, we've had, I mean, we've had quite the variety, but um, they're all reasonably similar. So, um, you know, for us, it, it really comes down to that self-reflection and, and just some a pretty in-depth evaluation process on our end uh, on figuring out strengths, weaknesses, and, and then essentially just figuring out a plan that, that uh, we're going to take to attack those weaknesses. Yeah. I mean, like one of the things I've been wondering to ask you is at the moment, the job market for coaches is definitely tough, but equally, I can't remember a time when it hasn't been tough or really competitive, um, COVID or non-COVID. How do you kind of help candidates or how can you help candidates? And this could apply to other people that are in a similar position to you. How can people that have interns be that strength conditioning coaches, sports scientists, or PTs, how can you help people to kind of not only develop their interns, but also to obtain employment? How do you kind of um, shed wisdom or, or guide that process as well? Yeah, again, I mean, it's certainly a, it's certainly a tough market. Uh, it's extremely saturated. And, you know, unfortunately, it, a lot of people will do it um, for, you know, low money, which makes it really difficult um, to, you know, get into the field. Um, and, and, and the, the credentials and the requirements are, are obviously, um, becoming more and more, you know, um, I guess more and more extensive. Um, but, you know, I, I come back to that evaluation process that I mentioned a minute ago. I, I think that really, really helps us sure up some weak points that somebody may have, because, you know, if they, if we've got an intern, for example, who really is well-versed with, strength and power development of athletes and you know um they're they're pretty good overall with maybe some of the bioenergetic or energy system development they, they've got a good you know knowledge base whether it be through their undergrad coursework or graduate coursework and you know physiology and exercise science but they're really really 
poor at speed development, let's say. So if that's the weak point for them, well, that that's going to, you know, that's going to become pretty apparent um, in that evaluation process. And that, that just becomes a, a box that we can end up ticking at some point. And then, you know, we want to have, we want them to have a, a systematic approach to what they do. I think, you know, being somewhat repeatable without, you know, mailing it in, if you will, is, is, um, can be pretty beneficial. Um, you know, having a systematic approach to, to how you train people. Um, that doesn't mean obviously that you're just cranking out the same program year to year, but um, certainly having some, some systematic approaches are, is very valuable. And I think that's something that we uh, try to instill in our interns. And, you know, there's a lot of other things that, that go into that internship curriculum. And, and, you know, some of those are assignments, whether, you know, focused on improvement and learning in those areas that I mentioned earlier. So, you know, they'll do programming assignments um, that'll get reviewed from our staff. You know, they'll have to present those similar to, you know, how you, you may end up in a scenario in a job interview. Um, and ultimately, that helps them build their portfolio. So that's a, a big thing that, you know, we take pride on is having our, our interns leave with a, a pretty hefty portfolio, whether that be strength and power programs, um, speed and uh, change, of really, change of direction and agility programs, energy system development, you know, annual planning, um, you know, a bit of sports science, uh, you know, depending on the on the situations and the, the teams that they, they work with, that, that looks a bit different. But um, I think it's a real, real benefit when they leave here to having done some of that stuff and, and not just saying, oh, yeah, I saw, you know, the coaches that I worked with or, or you know, I interned for. Um, I saw them do X, Y, or Z. Um, you know, they can, they can, we're going to give them an opportunity to have to do that stuff with when they're with us and with our teams. Um, and, and I think that's gone a long way. Um, but, but certainly it, it comes down to that evaluation process. I mean, that's pretty stringent on our part um, in reality. Yeah. And just to sort of change the subject a tiny bit. So apologies for this. Uh, you, yeah. know, you, work, you work with, uh, different sports and therefore um, different consideration or athletic demands all kind of similar to what you were finishing saying then about um, you know the different types of uh, topics that they might be exposed to as interns but but for you you know this is something that me and you have spoken about before how do you systematically kind of break down a sport yourself um, to be able to maybe reverse engineer the sports demands um, and maybe we can touch on kind of KPIs versus benchmarking yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I, I've got a framework um, that that I've documented out, and I'd be remiss if if I didn't uh, give a give a shout out to to Dan Howells. Um, you know, that's somebody who I, I've been working um, with as you know, in, in terms of just some of my professional development over the last eight to ten months or so now. Um, and you know, this is something that he's helped me with. And you know, I've got a framework now that I, that I've I've got it documented out and it just has some prompts on it, you know, and if you answer those prompts, it becomes pretty systematic in terms of making sure you cover all your bases. So, you know, things like what are the, you know, what are the physical demands of the sport? You know, what are the bioenergetics, the biodynamics, the epidemiology, uh, things of that nature. And, you know, obviously it looks different between sports, but having that documented out um, and, and having it as a framework really helps me be systematic in that. Um, and, you know, I think that's typical. I think that, you know, doing something like a needs analysis is, is pretty standard, uh, practice, uh, at least with many of the strength and conditioning coaches that I talk to, but that reverse engineering sport just feels like it takes it a bit deeper. And, you know, there's some other areas where, you know, helps me ask and answer maybe some better questions and determine what, you know, where my bridges or where my inroads for impacting performance might be. So for example, with our volleyball staff, you know, we, I've worked pretty closely with them and, and they do a phenomenal job, but I've worked pretty closely with them to help us develop um, or, or create some skill development frameworks for the sport itself. Um, just adding, you know, just focused on skill acquisition w within the sport. Um, Right. And so that, that's helped us because, you know, now we can it, it helps us better assess where some of our athletes might be, um, you know, whether it be a, a physical limitation, some sort of technical or tactical limitation. Um, and then we've got a, a, 
you know, framework within our sport being volleyball that we can take and, and implement. And, um, you know, that's become really, really valuable because again, it, it creates, um, an inroad to help impact the, and, and for me to assist our, our sport coaches, um, you know, uh, and have an impact on performance. And so that, that really having that document is, that was a huge step forward for me because it, it did make it, you know, pretty systematic. And so it's, it's really quite plug and play, um, if you will, you know. Yeah. And is that something that you encourage kind of interns to develop their own version of as well? Without, you know, without meaning to go back to the intern conversation, but just off the top of my head, is that something that you've, you've helped guide others on as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, you know, we've, we've got a handful of smaller assignments that, you know, we do throughout our internship, excuse me, that we, we do throughout our internship curriculum, um, you know, where we, we sort of take different pieces of the, the overall puzzle and, and focus on those. And then, you know, at the end, we start to put all of those different pieces together. And so reverse engineering sport is one of those assignments that is pretty early on in that, you know, developing the, the, a bit more of a global view or, um, you know, 30,000 foot view, if you will, towards, um, you know, working through, uh, some of those major assignments, um, that they've got. Yeah. And I was told by a recent guest of the show and, and of course, friend of yours, Mr. Jesse Green, that, uh, <laughs> that, that you're a mean coder, um, uh, can you talk me through maybe <laughs> your journey using tech uh, as it's kind of pertained to you as a strength coach and uh, and maybe some lessons along the way? Yeah, well, I, I mean, if if anybody knows Jesse Green, then then it won't be a shock that maybe he you know he might have stretched the truth there on that mean coder uh, a bit. Um, that's that's probably quite a stretch. Um, you know, I, I've been fortunate that in my short career that I've had the opportunity to get my hands on, you know, a variety of different tech options, um, whether it be GPS and accelerometers or, you know, VBT devices, force plates, et cetera. And, you know, I think it can be pretty easy to, I think it'd be easy to get drawn in by the, the bells and whistles and some of the fluffy metrics. And, you know, I've certainly made that mistake myself uh, of trying to overanalyze, you get lost in the amount of data that's available. And even if it's not particularly useful, you're still collecting it. And I think it's easy to constantly just be searching for the, you know, the, the key to performance with, with a new piece of technology, whatever that may be. And so, um, you know, I think some of the lessons that, that I've learned are, are as cliche it, as cliche as it is, you know, less is more and, and simple is probably better. Um, you know, and, and then there's a lot of talk uh, about this lately, I, I, at least um, for, for some of the folks that I've been listening to. But, you know, you, you've got to have the, the question that you're trying to answer at hand. Um, I think all too often, and again, I, I can't state this enough, I've made this mistake. Um, but all too often, I think we start seeing technology as a solution to a problem that we haven't clearly defined. and that is, I think it can lead you down a path that's, you know, pretty time consuming. Um, and, you know, probably not very fruitful as well, uh, because you're, you're, you're sort of just lost um, in all of this, uh, this data, new technology, and, you know, because it's, it's the newest, latest, greatest thing. Yeah, and I think what you're saying resonates with, uh, and, probably echoes of a few people that we've had on the show under different maybe conversations or different questions, but um, some similar points there, especially around, you know, you've, you've got to have that question first. Um, what are the sort of, you, you know, you've got people that are coming up through the industry under you and you're, you've got your ear to the ground on current practice and other, and then developing new coaches practice. Um, you know, this is horribly contextual as a lot of my horribly contextual questions are to people, <laughs> but you know, let's assume there is going to be a problem or there is a, pro- uh, a problem or a question that somebody's trying to fix. Uh, you know, is, is there value in, in coaches learning how to code, um, 
ahead of having that question, perhaps? Or is there is there value in learning to code, uh, you know, ready for that rainy day where you might need it? Oh, sir. I mean, so I, I say certainly. And, and you know, I, I think it's it's just another it's just another tool. So if you're if you're an absolute whiz, uh, you know, uh, Microsoft Excel or Google Sheets or R or Python, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. <clears throat> it doesn't really matter what that is. I, I think some of those tools can be a bit more powerful if you take the time to learn them. Um, but you know, they're they're all ultimately all just tools. Um, and, and I think contextualizing the data that you're you're getting is probably the most critical aspect of that you know if if it's just if you're just using uh, one of those one of those tools to to crunch numbers then you know that's fine there, there's probably um you know coding's probably the way to go because you can really easily gather tons of data and you know uh clean it and spit out some nice visuals and so on but you know i, I think the issue that I would, and, and, you know, it's a great, I think it's a great question because some of our interns, you know, in, in our current class even have, you know, have asked, well, you know, should I learn R or Python? It's like, well, you know, you, you can learn either. Um, I, I don't think you need to learn either. And ultimately we need to be able to coach first and understand what that, you know, what that whole process looks like, right? Just, just because you can, you know, use R or, or Python or, you know, some other, you know, tool doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily going to open up all of these doors that, that you wouldn't have seen prior, um, you know, using Excel or just, you know, collecting pen and paper. Um, I, you know, I think there's, there's obviously some efficiency with some of those tools, but, you know, I, I certainly don't think that any of them are necessary. And I think there's, a huge shift and I'm guilty of it myself, um, you know, cause that's something obviously that, that I'm interested in and, and have been working towards. But um, I think there's been a huge shift in just focusing on, you know, programming languages and, you know, who can, you know, who's learning R or Python or whatever, and you can blast it out on social media. I mean, I, I think that, you know, you, you should certainly be proud of that. I, I think if you accomplish a goal, um, but you know, I don't think that is going to be a real that in and of itself is going to be a real game changer in terms of you know uh, overhauling your your sports science process or or your sports science you know skills as a practitioner, if you for you know for lack of a better term. It's really easy to see how people get down that path. And I, I probably get tempted just like everybody else uh, on a number of occasions where you belong to a profession where you try to read the latest research and stay current in the science, if you like. And, and, and you'll have seen this as well. Like you go from a, you know, you go from the, the dark ages where you put heart rate straps on everybody and now that's turned <laughs> into GPS sensors and, and everything else. Yeah. And then and you see, you see the technology evolve and just like you want to stay current with the, the knowledge and the literature that goes behind your craft, you kind of also want to be current with the tools that belong to it as well. But I think it's uh, it's a hard balance, isn't it? Because you do need to have that uh, practical environment to apply the tool to, especially if you're going to learn to code. But equally, if you don't, you still don't want to get left behind if you're seeing everybody else on Twitter and thinking, should I be learning this? Is this a is this a skill set that's trending or evolving? Yeah, and, and I, I think, you know, that's, it's certainly easy to, to get caught up and, you know, well, everyone's doing this. And so I don't want to get left behind. I mean, that is the, the field is, is moving um, in what feels like, at least to me, a pretty rapid pace in that direction. Um, you know, and maybe it's just happens to be in, in my own, uh, you know, within my own network within the field. Um, but, you know, I definitely, I definitely. So I, I'm I'm empathetic in individuals who feel that way. I, I you know I felt that way myself, and that's probably originally what started me on that you know on that path of learning um, to do a bit of code, and and certainly what started me on the path just to learning Excel. I mean, I remember when you know I was going for my first internship, and I thought, oh, you know, God, I, I'm terrible at Excel, and you know I'm going to get there, and somebody's going to ask me to do something, and I'm going to be, you know 
plugging in one thing, you know, one cell at a time that's going to take me hours. So I better figure out, you know, <laughs> I better figure out how to automate some of these processes. And I, I think, you know, just from an efficiency standpoint, I, I definitely think there's some value, you know, to some of uh, some of these tools, whether it be Excel or, you know, Google Sheets or again, R, Python, you name it. I think there's, it can definitely help make processes efficient, whether it be collection, analysis, visualization. And um, that's where I think the value is. Can you turn data around faster to make sense of a problem, make sense of a situation, um, help inform a decision that, that needs to be made? You know, if it takes you, you know, three days to crunch some numbers and come up with, uh, you know, why you think something happened. Well, you know, that was three days ago. So sometimes sport just is, is the pace that it's, you know, played and, and lived at is, is pretty fast. So, you know, sometimes those, those turnaround with the, the turnaround with data is just so critical in, in terms of decision-making and, and again, just making sense of certain situations or scenarios. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like you know your journey. Maybe if I'm hearing it correctly, you, you've maybe gone probably like myself from being a, a plug and chug Excel user, which I don't know if I've graduated beyond yet, unlike <laughs> yourself, um, to you know to being able to develop a, a, a system that's uh, more sophisticated on the front end to allow you efficiency later on. Um, you know, do you have any kind of pearls of wisdom based on your journey through that for how maybe other coaches can develop their own, you know? systems that are more efficient or more effective where they commit some time on the front end to, to have a tool that's more valuable coaching or, or, you know, for practical usage. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is you have to just, you have to just dive in, you know, if you're going to learn something like that, I think you've got to dive in. I mean, you know, if, if you're talking about programming specifically, I'll just use that as an example, but you know, it's another language. Um, so, you know, if I, if I was going to go, you know, learn to speak, Chinese or, uh, or, or, you know, or Spanish or something like that. And, um, you know, if I just piddle around with learning another language, um, you know, it's probably not going to be very fruitful, um, for me. And so I think you've got to dive in and you've got to try and find some real world application so that it can help you. At least that's what's stuck with me every time I've, you know, I've used it to solve a problem. Um, and so again, it comes back to, you know, determining the question that you need answered, but, um, you know, I, I think that's probably the biggest thing. And, you know, I, I think from a logistical standpoint, just making things efficient and effective is, you know, how are you going to, you know, if, if it's something along the lines of data collection or, or, you know, implementing a new piece of technology, you know, how are you going to collect the, the data? You know, can you, can you trial it, um, you know, with a small group of players with yourself, perhaps, um, prior to just, you know, overhauling, you know, a, a new process with uh, an entire team, you know, and, and then I think understanding, you know, what are some second and third order consequences that, that are going to happen, you know, based on, you know, the implementation of, of that new piece of technology or that new process, you know, what, what does all of that look like? Because I think, you know, if we, if we say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to start collecting this new metric, whatever that is. If we're going to start collecting this, well, I, I am then placing value upon that, uh, that metric. Um, you know, whether that be to the coaching, the sport coaches, other support staff members, um, you know, the athletes themselves. And so what happens, you know, if, if that was wellness, if I was going to implement, you know, daily wellness with a team, you know, what happens when, you know, one of those athletes doesn't fill it out? Am I going to go hunt that? Am I going to go hunt that athlete down and try and figure out, you know, make sure they fill that out every single day and how much of, how much of my day is going to be caught up just hunting down some numbers. And then does that impact anything else? And, um, you know, if I don't hunt that kid down to, to, <laughs> to give me the, the metric that I want or, or to be able to collect that data, then, well, that's, showing them probably that I don't value it enough to spend a bit of time to go hunt them down and, and get that number because then, you know, because then I won't be able to use it. So, you know, then you're, you're opening up an additional issue, right? 
because next time they, they go to do it, they're going, oh, well, he's not even using this. So, you know, he didn't even come, he didn't even come ask me the last time I didn't fill it out. He didn't even know. Um, so I think there's certainly some things that, that need to be thought about in that realm. Um, you know, just outside of this new piece of technology, this new process, um, you know, whatever that may be, you know, just, just implementing it just because I can doesn't necessarily mean I should. And I, and I definitely think that's something that, I mean, that's a trap that I've fallen into, you know, just to, just to collect, um, you know, heaps of data because I can collect the data. Um, but ultimately, you know, what we collect really needs to, to help us answer question or, you know, inform decision-making, make sense of, of whatever problem we've got at hand. And, um, you know, it's got to be particularly in the collegiate environment where, you know, I've got, you know, a, a handful of different groups or teams um, at the moment, you know, it's hard to, to, you know, wrangle data for, for 90 kids, you know, or on 90 kids. So, um, you know, with, with different schedules and, you know, I, I just think it can be tough if, if you don't have a clear plan of, of action and how you're going to, um, how you're going to implement those things. Yeah, I think there's that. Those are. I don't think you could have picked two more familiar, um, you know, problems and realities that probably anyone can relate to when you're trying to collect data or, or, or get anything over the line in a team setting where, you know, you can't necessarily get all the athletes to fill out a basic form every day, and it's just just it's just the harsh reality of it. No yeah. matter how uh, how perfect your spreadsheet looks, right, um, right. Sure, and I think like I'm I'm I could keep firing questions at you, but what are you kind of looking at yourself uh, from a coach development standpoint? You know, obviously you're, you're very current in the sense that you're, you're good with technology. What, what kind of sparks your interest at the moment for your own development moving forwards? Yeah. Um, well, I, I, you know, I, we talked a little bit about reverse engineering earlier and um, you mentioned KPIs versus benchmarking and, you know, that process for me has been really, again, just kind of enlightening, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, because I, I think, you know, doing a needs analysis has always been um, something that, that I've done is, you know, all right, what is the, you know, what's the, the VO2 max of, you know, these, this positional group within the sport and, <clears throat> you know, what are some, uh, you know, typical movements that they get? What are, you know, what does an elite athlete in that position within that sport look like and so on. But, you know, I think, Again, I mentioned this earlier, but that reverse engineering process um, really helps to, to almost deep dive a, a bit, I guess, um, you know, and, and determine some of those key performance indicators. So that's something, you know, for me right now, if we'll, and I'll use volleyball as an example, but like for us, volleyball is, is actually quite easy, um, in my opinion, because we've got, you know, something like an approach jump which is, you know, it's done in sport, but it's also pretty easily measured. Um, and so determining that as a, or defining that as a key performance indicator, you know, those key performance indicators, really, we want them to be as close to the sport as possible. Um, and then you mentioned benchmarking earlier. And so for me, what, I guess what that means is benchmarking is, you know, some underpinning quality that, that affects that, that KPI. So, you know, we'll, we'll take the approach jump example of the approach jump being the KPI and, you know, an underpinning benchmark is something like lower body strength and power. Um, so current project that I'm working on with them and um, with our women's volleyball program here is looking at spike velocity um, trying to really determine some of those underpinning factors or benchmarks. Um, you know, we know that if we increase our spike velocity, we've got a better chance at killing balls. And, and there's some research out there that shows that if your spike velocity is higher, you, you actually kill more balls. Um, and so for us, uh, you know, killing more balls is more points and more points typically leads to a, a better success. <laughs> so trying to better understand our KPIs and our underpinning benchmarks, because those really then help drive some of the training decisions that, you know, we make, um, you know, we can, we can start to target some of those physical qualities in a more specific manner, which, you know, we want to have an impact on performance. Yeah. Which I think is, and I think Matt, Matt Jordan's been talking about this recently, but that's kind of pure sports science, isn't it? Ultimately that's what you're trying to influence at the end of the day. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm a huge, huge fan of Matt Jordan. I think he does a, he does a phenomenal job. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, not to go off on a, <clears throat> not to go off on a tangent here, but, you know, I, I think sports science can, and, and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, uh, get a bunch of people riled up here, but I, I think it really can, um, end up just being, you know, this, this one piece of technology, you know, whether it's a GPS unit or something like that. I think there's a lot of times that people feel like, oh, this is sports science or, you know, we, we talked about coding earlier. Like if I can code that, that to me now, now, like now I'm a sports scientist and, and, you know, that just, I don't know that that, that just doesn't sit right with me. Um, you know, I, I think, we're, we're almost putting the cart before the horse and, um, you know, not, not really trying to figure out what maybe some lower hanging fruit are that, you know, things that are going to be, um, you know, a little more financially feasible. We don't have to implement this new piece of technology, right? What are, what are some free things that we can look at doing? Um, you know, what are some, or at least low cost things that we can look at doing? What are things that are, you know, what, what questions do sport coaches have? Um, you know, that's a, that's a huge piece. I mentioned that skill development framework earlier. That's a huge piece to, to, you know, how I want to operate with like our women's volleyball program is, you know, our volleyball coaches are content experts. And so I want to rely upon them to help me in this process of breaking down the sport and trying to figure out what some qualities are that we need to train and how can we measure that and, and quantify that so that we can make it potentially, you know, potentially make it repeatable. Um, you know, if we can, if we can do that, then I, I feel pretty good about, you know, what we're doing. And, and maybe that doesn't look as, as sexy as some other, you know, sports science, um, you know, sports science projects out there, uh, you know, on social media. And that's probably not something that, you know, that I'm, I'm blowing up on social media, but it, it certainly makes an impact. Um, you know, and it, and it allows us to get out of our our own lane a bit, if you will, um, and, and really kind of help provide, um, you know, our sport coaches or, or potentially another support staff member or, or the athlete with some real value um, and impact and have a real impact on performance rather than, um, you know, rather than just sitting on our hands or, and, and you know, cranking out the same programs that we always have and, and you know, relying on, on strength as the, the thing, um, or, you know, just implementing a new piece of technology because that makes me feel like a, a sports scientist. Yeah. I think it re it reintegrates us back into the bigger picture, doesn't it? Essentially. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we're, we're ultimately we're, we're all support staff members and, and, you know, the goal ought to be to, to win, you know, and, and so, you know, part of that, part of that reverse engineering, um, framework that, that we've talked about is, you know, me sitting down with the coaches and, and figuring out, okay, well, what, what style of play do we want to, you know, what is our style of play? How, how, are, how do we plan to win, you know, against some of the other opponents in our conference or, or, you know, against everybody, how, how do we win as Louisville volleyball, you know, versus, you know, another, you know, peer institution, let's say, um, because, that might have a, an impact on how we train. Um, you know, if, if it's a, it's a bit outside of volleyball, but if it's a, you know, a really up-tempo speed focused game rather than a possession focused game, well, you know, the qualities that, that those athletes, you know, that we may target um, may be a bit different. And so I think understanding how our coaches plan to run their system and how we plan to win uh, with the, you know, the roster that we have is, is really, really critical. And that's something that, you know, that reverse engineering document really needs to be a living document. You know, it, it's not just a, I did it once and it sits on the shelf and I can go back and refer to it every, you know, couple of years when something, you know, something new comes up and I can go update it. I mean, that's, that's going to be something that, you know, at the, the end of the season or at the beginning of the season, however you want to, you know, look at it, I suppose, um, you know, we go back and we adjust and, you know, talk about what worked and what didn't work and, 
you know, come up with a, a better game plan for next time. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Sean, where's the, um, where's the best place for, for listeners to find you or, or follow you? Are you, are you an active man on social media? Oh, um, I wish I was more active. You know, I, I, I um, we've got a, somebody on our staff, Corinne, Corinne Robbins on our staff is our social media coordinator. So she's on me all the time that, that I need to be more active. So I'm working on it. Um, but I'm certainly responsive on there. Um, I just don't post as, as much as um, I, I probably need to. Um, and as much as I would want to, but, um, I am active on, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, they are my, my handles, I believe are the same off the top of my head, but there's a lot of Sean Smith in the world. So I've had to really dig deep and, uh, you know, <laughs> get, start to, start to, uh, fudge around with some names. So I, I've actually got perf coach Sean because there's just not, there's just not, there's too many other performance coach Sean's out there. <laughs> <laughs> perfect well we'll um, we'll link that in the episode description so people can can easily find you but mate thank you so much for your time and uh, yeah appreciate your insights and, and thanks for the transparency about your program and, and how you run things yeah i appreciate it andy and, and you know one one last thing um you know certainly the there's always the email that that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me so i'll, I'll i can uh you know anybody can reach out on social media or via email and and you know i'm happy to uh talk shop um, but I, I appreciate you having me on um, and, and hope you have a great rest of your evening. A big thanks to Sean for coming on today's show and also to Jesse Green for the introduction. If you'd like to ensure you catch all episodes, then hit subscribe and also follow us on social media. You can find us at Inform Performance on Instagram or InformPod on Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Inform Performance. Catch us next time for more performance and sports medicine insights.